and welcome to Relevant History. I'm Dan Toller. You may have noticed already that today's episode is a little bit shorter than usual. Well, it's been a weird week for me, so this is going to be a weird episode. It all started out on Friday. I was playing Empire Total War, and yes, that's a 12-year-old game. Sue me, it's still awesome. And it's awesomer with Darth Mod, which is this mod where you can add a whole bunch of extra units to the map and do all kinds of crazy stuff. It's, it's fun if you're a strategy gamer. But there was a corrupted save file, so I rather than delete my save, went to restart my computer and had to run a Windows update, and long story short, ended up spending pretty much all weekend uh, dealing with a computer that would not start. And uh, in the process, lost the contents not just of my primary hard drive, but also my backup hard drive. So, while I still have backups for back episodes and stuff, I, I did lose the notes for this week's episode. And since it took me till Sunday just to get the PC up and running again, well, you're getting a weird episode. But I still wanted to get you something this week, and it's a concept that's been percolating in my head a little bit the past few months, and... That is the idea of conspiracy theories. Now, right, this is a history show, not a current events show, so we're sticking with things that are 20 years oldish or older. But why stop with anything recent like that? Because conspiracy theories have been with us for a very long time. And sure, we all know somebody who thinks that the earth is flat or that 9-11 was an inside job, but just because they're wrong doesn't make those views irrelevant. And moreover, sometimes the conspiracy theorists are proven right in the future. And even if they're not, people act based on their beliefs, so what people think matters. So, what is a conspiracy theory? Right, first off, it has to relate to a conspiracy. This is a secret or a plot that involves more than one person. So, to use something that's sort of an oddball theory, but not a conspiracy theory, I've seen it alleged that the inventor Nikola Tesla invented a death ray and then destroyed the design so that no one will ever use it. Well, that's not a conspiracy theory. Why? Because Nikola Tesla is one person. Right? To have a conspiracy, there has to be more than one person. And for the purposes of any kind of significant conspiracy theory, the people involved have to be people in some kind of position of power, right? Conspirators are in the government or in religion or in modern times, maybe they're corporate leaders. Right? 
Sure, a band of medieval peasants in Woldovia may have conspired at one point to inflate wool prices, but nobody cares. Right? We're talking about conspiracies with real impact. And let's not also forget the other half of the term conspiracy theory. Right? To be a theory, it must be a theory. That's not the same as a conspiracy fact. Conspiracy theories, by their nature, then, are unproven. And to use an example, let's talk about a famous true conspiracy, the Tuskegee experiment. In this experiment, the U.S. Public Health Service, which at a certain point became the uh, CDC, uh, they knowingly gave placebos and experimental treatments to hundreds of African-American men who suffered from syphilis. This was a curable disease, and these men were instead given not cures, but experimental drugs and things of that nature. And this went on for 40 years, from 1932 to 1972. And by the way, this was without the knowledge of the participants. And there were some allegations that something kind of shady was going on, but until 1972, that was just a conspiracy theory. And then that year, there were leaks to the press, and people found out, and all of a sudden, you had proof. At that point, it ceased being a theory, right? It's fact. It's a matter of history. It happened. On the other hand, some conspiracy theories, I would suggest even the vast majority, are ultimately disproven. There was the famous 1947 crash in Roswell, New Mexico, uh, where people thought for decades that there were space aliens there. And now even most really hardcore conspiracy theorists accept that that was some sort of experimental military craft that crashed. It didn't have to be aliens. What about historical conspiracy theories? They go way back, and the first that I'm aware of is the death of Philip of Macedon in 336 B.C. Now, if someone knows an older conspiracy theory, by all means, send me an email, dantollerpodcast at gmail.com. But I'm pretty sure this is the oldest. Now, Philip of Macedon was the uniter of a small empire in what we would call today roughly northern Greece. He built a huge, well-disciplined army and united the surrounding Greek city-states and was just getting busy expanding into a war against the Persians when he died. What happens is Philip is on his way into a wedding where he is a guest and he's relatively exposed, and as he's sort of waving to the people in this uh, square where people have gathered for the wedding, 
he's stabbed by none other than one of his own bodyguards, a man named Pausanias. And Pausanias runs and tries to escape, but he ends up tripping over some shrubbery in the city and some of the other bodyguards catch up and kill him. Now, on the one hand, we know who killed Philip of Macedon. It was Pausanias, this bodyguard, but there are many theories as to why Pausanias did this. And some of those theories, almost from the beginning, have revolved around Philip's wife, Olympias, and his son, a certain individual named Alexander the Great, who would inherit Philip's army and certainly stood to benefit from his death. Now, there has never been any kind of proof that either Olympias or Alexander was involved. But the fact that over 2,000 years later, historians still argue over how much evidence there really is that you know, there was a murder, well, that is quite the enduring conspiracy theory, isn't it? Another conspiracy I'm a fan of is the Catiline Conspiracy. This one happened a few hundred years later in Rome in 63 BC. At this time, a senator named Lucius Sergius Catalina, better known as Catiline, loses a consular election to Marcus Tullius Cicero, better known as Cicero. So Catiline loses to Cicero in the consular election, which is basically like Rome's version of the presidential election. And Catiline decides to plot with a number of other senators to stage a series of uprisings throughout Italy and have Cicero killed. At the time, Catiline is representing mostly common people, particularly poor soldiers who had served in some recent wars and lost their farms and homes for their trouble. And these senators he's plotting with, many of them were leaders in this war and for various reasons have been banned from politics. There have been some previous coups within Rome over the last few years, and it's a tense time. So Catiline plots these uprisings, and he also plots to have Cicero killed and take over the consulship himself. Well, Cicero got wind of this, and he called the Senate together and ordered a bunch of senators, uh, all of the people who he said were involved in this conspiracy, he ordered them rounded up and executed without trial. Right? And he does this over the objection of a number of other senators who were you know, upset at the idea of the consul just rounding up senators and having them strangled to death. You can imagine the uproar if a U.S. president, for example, tried to just have a quarter of the Senate arrested and sentenced without trial. Well, Cicero gets away with this. And 
to be fair, he would be at least partially borne out by the facts. Right? There was a conspiracy led by Catiline to overthrow the Roman government. He did stage a few slave uprisings, and he would shortly die in battle in a failed rebellion. So there was definitely a real conspiracy on some level. Right? But how far did it go? Depends on who you ask. Some historians suggest that Cicero didn't get everybody involved in the conspiracy, right? They suggest that some of these senators who objected to the execution of the supposed plotters, well, maybe they too were plotters and they were trying to save their friends as best they could. There are other people who suggest that Cicero was taking advantage of a real crisis to execute a bunch of political rivals he didn't like. Serious questions remain about this incident over 2,000 years later. Will we ever know? Almost certainly not, right? Everybody involved is long dead, and the real Catiline conspiracy will remain at the center of a cluster of conspiracy theories. But there was another real conspiracy not long before that that involved a bunch of uprisings in cities in Roman territory. Back in 88 BC, 25 years before the Catiline Conspiracy, King Mithridates of Pontus, right, a kingdom on the Black Sea, well, he had orchestrated an anti-Roman rebellion throughout Anatolia, much like, in a sense, the one that Catiline was talking about raising. Right? It happened in a bunch of cities all at once. And on this day, there was a mass uprising across multiple cities, and over 80,000 Romans were killed. That is quite the conspiracy and quite the coordinated uprising. But imagine that you and I were fellow Romans the day before, and we're living in Anatolia, and we're neighbors, and I tell you, hey, our neighbors are all planning to kill us tomorrow. Would you have believed me, or would you have called me a crazy conspiracy theorist? And that's just an example of the kinds of conspiracies that had happened in the Roman Empire in the very recent past. So in that climate, maybe it's a little easier to understand how Cicero was able to get away with executing a whole bunch of Roman senators without so much as a trial. Now, as you move forward through history... You encounter more and more conspiracy theories. This is only natural in a sense because you encounter more and more history. There are more writings to go through. The tapestry of human events is more detailed. And by the time you get to the Middle Ages, particularly the Crusades, you are just knee-deep in conspiracy theories, my friend. This is a time of political intrigue and assassination and even today, there are 
important leaders and figures from this time who were killed, and we don't know who killed them or why. That is the kind of soil where all kinds of conspiracy theories will grow up. And it's the birthplace of some modern conspiracy theories. For instance, people who believe that the Freemasons, uh, the Fraternal Order of Masons, controls the world, well, they will point to the supposed origins of the Freemasons in this time period. Supposedly, they began as part of the Knights Templar, a religious order of crusading knights who protected pilgrims in the Holy Land. And this particular conspiracy gets tied into yet another conspiracy theory, the the legend of Baphomet. Now, Baphomet, if you believe the story, is an idol who the Templars secretly worshipped in their secret, dark religion, right? And according to conspiracy theorists, modern Freemasons still worship Baphomet today. But in fact, not only did Baphomet never exist, it was actually an invention of people in a very real conspiracy to get rid of the Templars. See, in the early 1300s, French King Philippe IV owed the Templars a lot of money. He owed the Templars much more than he could pay, and it was starting to look as if the French crown might have to go bankrupt or seek some kind of outside assistance to pay these crusading monks. But Philippe IV was a king, so he was able to come up with another option, which was simply to have all the Templars in France rounded up and arrested on trumped-up charges of heresy. And he did this in a coordinated way. He sent out messages to his enforcers throughout France, telling them to all on the same day arrest the local Templars in their area. This was largely successful, and under torture many of the Templar knights confessed to the worship of this idol, Baphomet. But the story actually breaks down because if you look at all the descriptions they give of this idol they are supposedly worshipping, they're wildly different. Some say it's the head of a man. Some say it's the head of a goat. Some say it's a naked woman. Some say it's made out of wood or stone or glass. Right? The stories are just completely inconsistent. But thousands of Templars across France were executed because of this made-up story. And as a result, it gave birth to the legend of this made-up idol, which conspiracy theorists still believe in today. It's pretty wild. Now, some theories are just silly and and probably not even worth the effort of disproving. As one example, many people think aliens helped to build the pyramids. 
Is that true? Almost certainly not, I would argue. I literally cannot begin to express how wrong I think that idea is. For one thing, what these aliens show up, they teach us to pile rocks in a triangle and then disappear into the cosmos. Why'd they come here and teach architecture to a bunch of hairless apes? Where'd they go? Why didn't they leave, like, other technology or something useful or teach us about vaccines against smallpox or something? That seems a little bit weird. And let's face it, we don't give ancient people enough credit. Can imagine that the ancient Egyptians might have had a few building methods up their sleeves we just haven't talked about yet. But at the same time, there's very little harm in somebody believing that aliens helped build the pyramids, right? And since it's impossible to prove a negative, how much time do you really want to spend trying to argue with somebody about that, right? There are so many more interesting things to talk about. On the other hand... Some conspiracy theories can be dangerous, can't they? To use a popular example, Adolf Hitler really believed, as far as we can tell, he really believed that the Jews were secretly conspiring with communists to take over Germany. And as absurd as that sounds on its face... We all know the rest of the story. Because of this conspiracy theory, six million Jews were killed in concentration camps. Maybe worth pushing back on that conspiracy theory a little more. But why do people believe in conspiracy theories to begin with? Why do people come up with the idea that the rich and powerful are conspiring against them all the time. Well, if you ask different people, you'll get a different answer, but psychologist Karen Douglas cites three psychological motives which resonate with me, and those are the epistemic, the existential, and the social. The epistemic motive is wanting to explain things you can't understand. How did the Egyptians build the pyramids? We can't quite figure it out. I know. Aliens did it. I can explain everything. The existential motive is needing to feel a sense of control. Looking at Adolf Hitler sitting in a hospital at the end of World War I, where he would become radicalized, where his radicalization would begin, I should say, one can see the despair of a man watching his country collapse in many ways. And if you take a sort of fatalistic view on that, 
Germany lost World War I because it was fighting a war on two fronts and did not have the manpower or supplies to continue and fight a protracted war. And, you know, all these various factors. And maybe the whole thing was just doomed from the beginning. Well, that's kind of depressing if you're the guy laying in that hospital bed. Well, if you think your country was stabbed in the back... Maybe that gives you a sense of control. That's something you can do something about. As dark as it is. And the third motive, the social motive, is just requiring a sense of belonging. I think that's how a lot of people end up in conspiracy theories, right? People around them believe a certain way, and, well, people being herd animals, they jump on board. And to end this unusual, bizarre episode of Relevant History, I thought I would just briefly discuss my favorite conspiracy theory, because my version of an interesting conspiracy theory is, in a sense, profoundly boring. I'm talking about Kennedy, and you might be thinking to yourself, wow, there's all kinds of potential for drama there. I mean, Oliver Stone made that movie in the 90s with Kevin Costner and Joe Pesci and Gary Oldman, and that was really good, right? Yeah, it was a decent movie. It was also almost entirely made up and completely historically inaccurate. Look, I'm not going to spend the next however long debunking all of the movie JFK. It has been done many times. But suffice it to say that Oswald pretty clearly did the deed. But that doesn't mean that there is no conspiracy there. And let's go over what we know. Kennedy was indeed shot. Right, that's pretty much an undeniable historical fact. It was caught on video. We have the autopsy pictures. Lyndon Johnson was sworn in as president a few hours later. It's pretty safe to say that Kennedy was indeed shot in the head at Dealey Plaza and died that day. But there are still parts of the official government report that were kept secret. Why would that be the case if there's absolutely no conspiracy? So, let's say there was one. Well, who could it have been? Was there mafia involvement? That's been one allegation. Well, if that's the case, why keep it secret? Why wouldn't Bobby Kennedy, the attorney general at the time, simply escalate his war on organized crime if they killed his brother? He certainly would not be lacking for public support. The same goes for the theory that there was Cuban involvement. Proving that Cubans were involved would have just given the government an excuse to go after Fidel Castro again. Why cover that up? 
And as for the idea that Kennedy was assassinated by the CIA because he was soft on communism, well, that seems rather bizarre considering how fiercely anti-communist the entire Kennedy clan was, right? It doesn't hold water. But there's one theory that does make sense to me. What if Oswald were acting on behalf of the Soviets? For instance, what if he got some orders from the KGB to take out Kennedy? Well, in the environment of the Cold War, one could imagine, if such information became public, one could imagine the U.S. public crying for blood, crying for Russian blood. And in the nuclear age, we all know how that goes, right? Two nuclear powers go to war. Everybody loses. Suppose that government report in the secret pages says something along the lines of acting on KGB orders, Lee Harvey Oswald shot President Kennedy and reported to his KGB handler before being arrested. Just imagine that. Now, if you're, say, Lyndon Johnson, a few hours or days after the assassination, and you were hearing this news, do you maybe decide that this information is best kept secret? Do you decide that for everybody's safety, for the sake of the future of humanity and preventing a hot war, you're going to engage in a little conspiracy and keep this quiet? Now, that's not how I would tell the story of the Kennedy assassination if I were to do an episode on it. But you got to admit, it's a fascinating theory.